0: Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Aubriana Lopez. Alright, we are back for your favorite podcast of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 394 and uh yeah we've got a a good show for you we even got a guest this week um and for our uh, jewish friends uh, uh happy celebrating the end of hanukkah um so hope you had a good uh a, a good celebration around that for our christian friends uh and early merry christmas i guess and a uh you know all of that and so what else can we say it's the holidays all around there's lots going on
1: yes yeah. Whatever you celebrate, I hope it's happy and merry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we got yeah, we got this good show for you. We're going to jump right into it. I'm going to let Aubrianna kick it off, and uh, we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, so this is more of an announcement, but Facebook has filed a patent to predict location. Um, so nothing really new for Facebook, it seems, but um, obviously this is... Just you know, an application for a patent, and this is not necessarily you know it may never even be used. And honestly, I'm not really sure how relevant this is. But um, there are a few different uh, patents that they filed. One is called Offline Trajectories, so it's basically saying like where you're going to go next um, and when you'll be offline. Now, the reason that they say that they want to do this, which is kind of interesting to me, is that they say that they could um, they could basically use or or have I guess have content prefetched so that you don't have to worry about like downloading it when you don't have a signal um I mean is this really a problem I'm thinking like I don't know maybe I guess the only time I can think of is like if you're on the train um you know or like underground train or something where you're not going to have a great signal maybe then but um you know Like, how much more connected do we really, really need to be? Maybe it's okay that you are not connected for, like, five minutes of your life. But, you know, I get it. This is all about more eyeballs, more ad dollars, more ad spend. So if they can prefetch that content, then that maybe does make sense. Um. So the other other one was called Location Prediction Using Wireless Signals on Online Social Networks. So basically, instead of just utilizing the GPS signals on the device, they'll be able to utilize a lot of other signals, so you think of like cell tower triangulation, Wi-Fi triangulation, even potentially like signals from um, other devices in the area, which is kind of interesting. And then finally the last one was predicting locations and movements of users based on historical locations for users of an online system. So basically, they are—you know—Facebook. If you allow them to, are already collecting. Maybe even if you don't allow them to, are already collecting your current location data. Um, and they obviously want to provide a more personalized experience um, and relevant. Really, it's more about the localization of ads um, and content. But you know, they want to be able to use different—you know—signals around you. So whether that be GPS or other signals, even NFC signals, maybe. Um, or beacon signals, or signals of, you know, friends that are nearby, or just other users that they're collecting um, data from. So, I mean, I think all of this is interesting. I think that uh, in some way, shape, or form, there's a lot of companies that are doing things like this already, and so maybe they're just doing it in a little bit of a different way that uh, only makes sense for Facebook. And I don't really feel like this is going to be um, anything mind-blowing, but, you know, I think it's typical you know, big company, and obviously they're going to file as many patents as they possibly can so that they can have a corner of the market if, if it's possible. Um, so that's kind of what it seems like to me. I think these concepts are interesting, but again, I don't think it's anything groundbreaking or things that other people aren't doing yet.
0: Yeah, uh, um, so I'll agree generally with that last statement of it's, it's not groundbreaking, and, it, and they're certainly not unique. Uh, in in what they're proposing here I, you know I think filing the patent applications is always a good thing for any company uh, to, to be doing um, you, you know I, for me what's interesting here is when you look at the sort of uh, proposed advertising localization of advertising that they're suggesting I think it's powerful stuff there's no question whether they're doing it or somebody else is doing it I, I always wonder when you see things like this, In light of, uh, like, from a timing perspective, it seems really odd to be talking about this level of uh, sort of uh, intrusion into the lives of of users. Because you know we just had the big blow up in the New York Times article. You know we GDPR, all these things, and I think there's a heightened awareness of um, you know amongst consumers about that because of some of these things. And none of it is, is is really bad. I mean, like, the, like obviously, we're the location-based marketing association, we're promoting the use of location data. Um, but I think the onus needs to be on these companies to do it in a very transparent, uh, very uh, sort of value exchange type of framework. Um, and I think Facebook can do that, um, uh, like a lot of these other companies. I think one of the things that, in, in terms of the, the three different patents here that that I really like is the historical location one, you know, Foursquare does a lot of this as well, but the way that they're approaching it in what they call uh, location pairs is really interesting. So they're, what they're suggesting is, is you have a user who goes to you know points A, B, and C, and then a second user who goes to B, A, and C, uh, like in in different orders, and then basically using this technology, they can kind of Uh, Look at different chains of movement and create pairs of locations um, That are common to to different users and things like that Um, And then out of that be able to predict um, You know advertising uh, that that would be relevant to you know Normally when this user goes to this place they often go to that place next and that type of thing Uh, The the two events seem to be paired together Um, And I like that approach. I think it's it's interesting again. it's it's creepy uh, for people if you don't do it right Um, but I think it's very interesting and so I look forward to watching this and and Facebook you know as a company has been really pushing forward on location in the last year right so they've you know nearby friends and live locations and messenger and all that kind of stuff um, that they're really uh, starting to open up and all the social platforms uh, I would say uh, the same about uh, in terms of activating and and making uh, their location data and their APIs more accessible. Um, you know, for their own purposes, but also to third parties. So we'll see. Uh, Facebook got some good patents, uh, you know, in in, in the road to uh, success. We'll see how that goes. So there you go. Uh, Moving on to our second story. So we're going to talk about uh, a retailer called Joanne Stores. Well, actually, now it's just called Joanne. It used to be Joanne Stores. Um, And... uh, Yeah, so if you're not familiar with these guys, they're a uh, fabric and craft uh, retailer. Have you ever been to one of these, Amranna?
1: Yes, I'm actually part of their mobile program. How crazy is that?
0: There you go. Yeah, all right. right. So um, anyhow, so they've uh, been playing around with some location-based targeting uh, using a platform from a company called Teemo, and that's T-E-E-M-O, um, and, uh, yeah, so they, as part of this sort of rebranding and kind of just changing their name to Joanne, uh, you know, they've been working with Timo to, uh, basically wor- deliver ads on a, um, you know, to drive traffic into store. And, um, they said that, uh, they tested a whole bunch of different platforms. They found this worked best for them. Uh, I think part of the success around that is that, uh, the Timo platform, uh, Uh, was working on a cost per visit type of uh, model and they said that overall uh, they were able to see a 35% rise in return on the ad spend uh, as well as a 78% lift in visits compared to uh, other platforms that they've tested so or other solutions they've used in the past. So you know anytime you see numbers like that that's you know that's that's great right if you're if you're a retailer and you're trying to drive traffic in your store and I think increasingly I had the same conversation with with somebody else earlier this week uh, about this idea of um, you know cost per visits and uh, you know looking at the measurement of footfall uh, resulting from ads as opposed to you know click-throughs and things, things like that. Uh, and our, our guest uh, that we're going to chat with uh, a little bit later uh, has something similar to say as well. So I think, you know, overall we're seeing a trend towards kind of more measurable new metrics uh, around these types of things. So there you go.
1: Yeah, I like that Joanne is kind of venturing into this area. Um, and just to be completely transparent, I am not like a crafty person that spends a lot of time in these types of stores. But, um, you know, I have been to Joanne Fabrics a handful of times, and so I know that I got like a mobile coupon or something one time, and so ever since then, they just text me their offers, and I like it. I think they do a really good job, especially for a fabric store. You wouldn't really put them in a category of somebody who has like an amazing um, outreach or, you know, location-based marketing program. But to be completely honest and fair, I think they do a much better job than a lot of retailers that should be having this type of a program, right? So I think that they're doing a really great job at getting people, you know, back into their doors and, and giving them different offers in different areas of the store um, to come in again and again. So I love what they're doing. And I, it's, to me, it's like, you know, like I said, I don't think that you would think of a fabric store having some like incredible marketing team thinking kind of outside of the box, but Um, they do, and they've been doing this for years. I mean, probably for five or six years, I've been on at least the mobile text message program. So I think that's really great. I'd love to have them come in and talk about some of the stuff they're doing maybe at Retail Loco or something at some point. So
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. And and the uh you know like I like I've never been to a Joanne store so just full disclosure on that. I, I don't think we have them up here in Canada. So. But uh certainly Michaels and Hobby Lobby and stores like that. I, yep. I've been to my, my my wife and and daughter are regular Michaels people. There's one like, you know, 10 minutes from our house. So um So, yeah, it's, uh, and I think as a category overall, the sort of the whole craft um, retail category, I think, does a good job. I think all of those stores that I just mentioned as well, uh, you know, are heavy into mobile and, uh, you know, uh, offers and texting and all of that. So, um, but I'm, I'm glad to see companies like Joanne are embracing technologies and using platforms like Timo. So.
1: Cool. Um, So, uh, the third story here today is about Favendo, and they have deployed about 2,000 beacons at Frankfurt Airport. Um, So, this is really interesting because Frankfurt is obviously the largest airport in Germany, and you see about, I think, 60 million passengers each year going through this airport, so it's really big. Um, and so they've implemented these, you know, BLE sensors in this infrastructure and all the different terminals, terminal one and terminal two actually. Um, and they've also developed and provided some positioning navigation, um, technology there and software, um, within the app that they offer with the, with the airport. So basically, you know, navigating the, the terminals, shopping nearby, talking about departures, arrivals. Um, And then, you know, it's utilizing GPS as its signal as well as the 2,000 beacons that are spread throughout the terminals in the airport. Um, You know, I think this is interesting. I I do do think that um, especially maybe for, um, you know, people who maybe have like a longer layover in an airport or are not necessarily from that country um, and you have a big international airport like this. You know, having something that's an app that could maybe direct you to the right areas could be beneficial and helpful. Um, It's just not something that I would spend a lot of time on. You know, I'm probably just going to look at signs for the icon for the restroom or the restaurant or whatever it is that I'm looking for. Uh, But if anything, you know, I think something that this could potentially provide them with the beacon sensors is – is that if people do have their you know, Bluetooth turned on, even if they don't have the app, maybe just how people are moving throughout the airport. Um, so just getting that type of data might be interesting for them as well. So I don't think this is groundbreaking. I know we've covered stories like this before. I think it's a nice to have, but not necess- a necessity. Um, and um, I don't know. I, I, I can't really think of like anything mind-blowing about this. It seems like a lot of work for something that may not have a big ROI, but I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just missing something.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I'll, I'll say this, I'll I'll take a slightly different stance on it. I think that, um, Airports are one of those places that needs to have these technologies, uh, needs to have, because of the size of these properties, um, you know, similar to like a, a resort or, you know, a cruise ship or a large, you know, venue of some sort, stadium, et cetera. I think you need some degree of indoor mapping, navigation. And if that can be, you know, sort of powered by beacons, I think it, it really enhances the customer service capabilities of what you can do there. Um, you know, we, we did a project some time ago with uh, uh, United Airlines and uh, at O'Hare uh, with beacons at different gates and, and uh, integrating that to the United app and then connecting that to the actual real-time uh, flight management data system. So when flights were delayed, you could get pushed notifications with offers. Um, you know of where you could go eat and it would you know sort of direct you on a map on how to get there and you could actually use your United points to pay and all those kinds of things. so I think if you can get to fully integrated data experiences that leverage the underlying location uh, data that would come from beacons or Wi-Fi or whatever they're using, smart lighting systems, et cetera uh, I think it's it's great so you know I think you know uh, for from a favendo perspective, I think this is a good a, a great customer story. Uh, I think from a deployment perspective, this is, I mean, this is a big deployment. This is 2000 beacons, right? Like you don't see that scale of deployment you know, on an everyday basis. So it's a big project. Um, the one little interesting thing that I saw in this story that I thought was kind of cool is, you know, historically when we've talked about beacons, at least you know, sort of the, when they first came out to market, they were these little devices and you would stick them, you know, with a peel and stick on the back of a shelf or on a wall or something else. And what was interesting is these ones um, are deployed with magnetics. Um, and so basically uh, the whole thing about this is they wanted something that wouldn't leave any uh, residual material on the walls or anything like that or damage the, you know, the infrastructure of the building or, or whatever. And I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, I, I, I hadn't seen that before. Um, and I went, I was wondering like, you know, does that, affect the signal at all or anything like that um, the battery or the battery but uh, apparently not and and so that's kind of cool I, I think that's a cool little feature if they've if they've been able to figure that out so there you go favendo yeah
1: yeah I think it's cool and I will say I get like that what United did what um, Delta app like I I'm gonna use that right that makes sense to me yeah. as a consumer because it's something that I'll use over and over and over again but if I am, when you think of a cruise ship, right, there's dwell time there. You're there for like yeah. a week or at least three days. That's why that makes sense. But for somewhere that you might be for two hours, I'm like, are you going to download the app? I mean, maybe if you're always there, then maybe you would. I, I don't know. I, I don't think know. if
0: you're at the airport, though, I think what you want to do is you want to be the, in control of the network, right? And so maybe yeah. there's an opportunity to monetize this by... Making the network available to the different airlines like Lufthansa or whoever that's there now That makes it. sense if you're uh, a frequent traveler And there's a revenue piece from that because you, you would have the Lufthansa app or you'd have the KLM app or you have the whatever app um, Like you have the Delta app or I have the Air Canada app, right? And yep. and those are things we use all the time as travelers, right? So I think if there's a way to say look we, we built this network we own this network and we can Uh, Make it available on some kind of revenue share model or whatever it might be to the different airlines um, As part of their tenancy or whatever they can pay into a co-marketing program or whatever however they want to do that I think there's there's some something to be said about that potentially so I Agree all right. That's our three industry news stories for this week. We're gonna shift gears now Um, I had the chance to sit down with uh, a friend, Uh, his name is Gabriel Bedoya and he is uh, one of the uh, founders, he's the chief culture officer of a company called the Insights Company. Uh, And they are big players in Latin America and uh, I will uh, let him tell you all about it. So here he is, Gabriel Bedoya. All right, I'm excited this week because we have a special guest, one of uh, the newest members of the LBMA, uh, and his name is Gabriel Bedoya and he's the Chief Culture Officer of a company called Insights Co. Gabriel, welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing.
2: Thank you very much, Asif, for having us.
0: Yeah, so uh, I think maybe for a lot of our audience, they, they don't know uh, who Insights Co. is. So what are you guys all about?
2: Yeah, we are a company that was funded in 2009. And uh, we grow as a design thinking agency in the beginnings. And then we start discovering the amazing opportunities of location-based marketing. So we decide to twist a bit and to be just a give a twist to our business model and focus on more and location-based marketing than happens two years ago. And we are happy to, to do that because this is an amazing market.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, coming from the agency side, I mean, are you seeing a lot of, uh, innovation or a lot of demand uh within uh, you know clients and brands uh to use location, to use geotargeting uh in the work that in campaigns that you're doing?
2: Oh absolutely, absolutely. Uh we have a lot of experiences from the agency. I came from Omicron Group in my previous life and uh what I see in the uh, uh the actual business model of the agencies is is going, you know, it scares every single day, is dying, that single, that, that business model. So, we see a lot of opportunities, and a lot of innovation coming through the location-based marketing side.
0: Can you give me uh, an example of a particular client or retailer or brand or, or someone that you've been able to work with and uh, has, has benefited from using this?
2: Yeah, we're working uh, very close with HPE Aruba, which is a company who designed, Uh, network and uh, software and also hardware capabilities for companies and we've seen that they are very, very much interested in moving their business from the IT desk to the marketing desk and the way to do it and the path to do that correctly is by involving location-based marketing activities. So we work very close with uh, HPE in helping them to do that step, you know, to moving from the IT desk to the marketing desk, the conversation.
0: Yeah. Now you guys are, uh, you know, kind of uh, big players in in the Latin American market, a market that uh, for us at the LBMA is, uh, y- you know, relatively untouched. Uh, we're excited uh, to to be moving into that in in 2019, and and you, and and to partner with with you guys uh, on launching a new chapter there uh, early in, uh, in 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 the new year in Mexico City. Um, Tell tell me a little bit about uh, the Latin American market in general, Mexico City, uh, and kind of uh, how you see kind of location rising up there.
2: Yeah, we are very happy to be part of the LBMA now. And uh, as as you mentioned, we have a big focus on Latin America. Our main offices are located in Miami, and Miami is called the capital of Latin America. So we manage our operations from Miami, but we have... A big operation in Mexico as well in Colombia, and we're planning to open some new operations in Chile and Argentina. Uh, what we do is we help organizations. Based, basically, we're very much focused on training and and design educational programs to help agencies do the uh, the twist, you know, do the change, and start seeing location-based marketing as a new opportunity for them. And uh, that's what we are very proud of. And doing this kind of job, and and uh, Latin America is growing very fast. It's it's you know location-based marketing is awakening there. So I think we have a brilliant future in that region, and very much happy to help you develop that market.
0: Yeah, and and of course we we appreciate the that and and your support, uh, and looking forward to to launching there. But uh, you, you know one thing I, I'm always interested in, and and this we see this across. The LBMA on a global uh, perspective is, is that for us, you know, uh, when we talk about location-based marketing at the LBMA, we talk about it as this intersection of people, places, and media. And it's all media. It's, it's radio, it's television, it's out of home, it's mobile, it's, it's online, uh, and all of that. Do you see the same kind of desire across, you know, all media platforms uh, in Latin America, or is it pr- primarily focused on the mobile uh, device?
2: Ah yeah we we've seen that you know the beauty of location based marketing is can be applied um, almost to any marketing campaigns and any marketing activities so and what we have seen is the traditional clients you know they are tired of the traditional business model of buying CPMs and especially in, in digital advertising because CPMs is has got a lot of risk and the conversion is very low and one of the good things of the location based marketing is you can change a business model from CPAs to CPMs to CPA you know, move to uh, paying for acquisition, and in location-based marketing, it's very assertive to do that. So I think it's a good opportunity, and and many companies are screaming for us to bring that kind of business model for them. You know, to move from high risk, low optimization to low risk, high optimization business. So I think I, I think that that's part of the of the of the future of location-based marketing in America, moving from what is a traditional you know, it's pretty happy. You know, it's not happy. It's pretty, you know, rare talking about traditional business in the digital arena because it changes so fast. So, but the thing is, what it was a nice business a couple of years ago selling so CPM, selling so digital advertising now is not anymore a good business because uh, that is a business model that is not running good anymore. So. Running into the business of local location-based marketing is a change of paradigm. I think we are facing a new change of paradigm, moving from what is the traditional advertising and digital agency to the location-based marketing, what it, which is based in more assertive ways to make money and to make uh, conversion business models.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the the metrics uh, are changing. You know, the CPMS you know aren't working uh, at all in in a lot of cases now. And you talk about you know. A CPA uh, type of metric, or you know, in some cases, uh, a lot of people in North America we talk about cost per visits uh, uh, in terms of driving traffic to stores, uh, mm-hmm. or different ways to to measure that. Or even in some cases, uh, you know, when you, when it comes to things like offers and deals and and platforms like that, you know, in terms of uh, even measuring effectiveness based on social uh, magnification, like how many people are you sharing the deal to within your friends and and other things are other ways. To, uh, to measure effectiveness. But the uh, question I have for you is this. Uh, the When you look at some of these new metrics, one of the um, advantages that people are gravitating towards in terms of looking at location-based marketing is, is that in a lot of ways, because it's hyper-local, because it's personalized and more targeted, it seem, it, it's seen as a more premium uh, advertising. You can charge a lot more for it, uh, at Absolutely. least in North America. And do you think that there, there's an appetite for that in Latin America as well to 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 have this kind of premium, uh, kind of fees associated with with the targeting.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, customers are willing to pay a little more if you give them more, uh, less risk and more optimization. If we can get that to the customers, they're willing to pay more, and this is absolutely true. That's that's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Now, w- when you think about big brands, uh, national, international brands, um, you know, what, what, what's the sort of the potential like for kind of a balance between uh, what I'll call like purely local campaigns versus, um, you know, multinational uh, and international campaigns where, you know, people are leveraging these types of technologies and these platforms across multiple, multiple jurisdictions. Um, is there any kind of demand for that yet to kind of tie that into the Latin American Uh, community or do you tend to see you know the the more effective campaigns are purely local to the to the region or to the market
2: I think there is a huge demand for the local but there are also international brands that want to cover also their expectatives you know they want to continue their plans that they have globally they want to expand those plans into the region so I think we have a place for both for so local, local is very important. It is really important. But international branding campaigns are also will remain in the market. They will still coming.
0: Okay, very good. So, one last question for you. Uh, you know, when you look at Latin America, whether it's, it's you know, Miami, which, you know, uh, it's kind of the home, if you will, uh, in terms of your operations, where you're looking at Mexico, or you're looking at uh, Colombia, or any of these markets. Um, do you see, uh, you know, not just a uh, demand for, for 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 the solutions or the campaigns or the use of location data? Is there actually uh, a, a rise up of uh, emerging startups and technology
2: companies as well who
0: are bringing these solutions uh, at a local level?
2: Um, I Think it's pretty shy by the moment yet, yeah, but it's gonna grow more. I think one of our Mission is to start advocating location based marketing in Latin America and start designing training programs to start teaching agencies to do the change as well entrepreneurs. I think we have a long run to do. We have a, a nice mission and I think uh, with uh, probably next, uh, Three to five years is gonna explode very, very good. Now, there are many startups, many companies who are doing very nice projects on location-based marketing, but not so big enough yet to become very important players on the market. But they will. They will come, and I think it's a matter of time. So, in the meanwhile, I think our mission is to continue advocating, continue uh, teaching, continue delivering and migrating knowledge to our peers in, in the local markets. And the market is going to come back with a lot of opportunities.
0: Yeah, and that's exciting, right? I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, from, from my perspective, I think, you know, that's why we're, we're so excited to partner with you guys uh, on launching uh, LBMA operations in, in Mexico and Latin America, uh, you know, as time goes on. Because I think there there's huge potential for this education, for this advocacy, to, to kind of you know, help from our perspective take eight years of, of experience and knowledge. You know, working in this in, in these things around the world, uh, in other markets, and kind of helping. Uh, you know, kind of you know bring this community together, if you will, um, in Latin America uh, with your support. So we thank you for that again for our audience. We've been chatting with uh, Gabriel Bedoya. He's the chief culture officer of a company called the Insights Company. Uh, Gabriel, thank you so much for coming and sharing a few minutes uh, of your time and telling us uh, about what you're doing. I, we really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Asif. Uh, very, very happy to be part of it. And come with us. We are very, very proud to be part of the DMBA.
0: All right. Take care and uh, and have a great uh, holiday. Uh, okay.
2: All right. Bye. Bye.
0: Right, have a good one. All right, thank you, Gabrielle. We really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing a little bit about the Insights Company, and we look forward to working with you to uh, to expand the LBMA uh, into uh, into the Latin American market uh, over the course of 2019, so thanks again. All right, moving over to our member news now. Um, I'll start this off with a story about Google Maps. Um, and they've launched a, uh, a new feature here called For You. Um, and basically, it's it's uh, it's something that uh, is all about uh, localized content, uh, recommendations, and things like that. They've uh, they've got this running now. They say in forty countries on iOS and one hundred and thirty countries on Android. Um, and basically, it, it's you subscribe or you follow neighborhoods and places, and then you can get updates on recommendations. Uh, recent news, you know, new openings of restaurants or, or you know, pop up stores or things that are popping in, coming into these neighborhoods, menu items, if the restaurant changes, you know, things on their menu, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, it's again, this isn't groundbreaking by any means. Uh, but I think it, it's it's definitely uh, something that uh, that people are looking for in terms of that level of content now. Uh, it 's no longer about just you know what what 's near me it 's like look, I live in this area, and you know I can subscribe to my neighborhood, so to speak, and follow it, and then you can just tell me about what 's what 's changing around me um and and make recommendations for that and I think that 's a good way to go about um trying to build business for uh you know for for these brands um you know i didn 't see anything in the story really about monetization you know if they 're uh, going to try to capitalize on this in terms of footfall or uh anything like that in terms of if they actually get people to come to these businesses you know are they are they charging for that or anything but you know as a service to to users of Google Maps, I think this is brilliant so that's all I gotta say about it
1: yeah, I think this is really smart, and also I think this almost goes back to like what Facebook is getting patented, right like being able to know what type of places people go, what are they into, where, you know, do they frequent sushi restaurants and they want to try new ones in different neighborhoods. Um, so kind of understanding their likes and dislikes as well as maybe where they go next, right? Do they always do like a sushi and movie, yeah. you know, night every Friday? So I mean, these are optional ways that other companies can be using that, that data and obviously there's a monetization aspect to it. Um, Maybe not necessarily. It could be to the small businesses. It could be part of their insights. It could be part of, um, you know, their advertising audiences that they have available. All of those different things. So um, definitely makes sense. And I'm sure that all that data is going somewhere to be used and and monetized. There you go. So it's my turn for a pizza story. Of course. It's been a little while. Yeah. I'm hungry now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Domino's has launched their hotspots. I think this is probably the coolest story, um, this week in my opinion, but, (laughs) um, so now Domino's is allowing customers to order pizza to places that aren't necessarily like a physical address. So before, whenever you ordered a pizza, you had to have like a physical home address, um, in order for that pizza to be delivered. But what they've done now is they've set up hotspots. So let's say you're at the beach or you're at a park or, um, you know, you're somewhere nearby that's not necessarily like a physical address. You can put in some like specially identifying information on on the app or online. Um, you can say like, "Hey, I'm wearing a blue shirt and I'm in the park by the playground," so the delivery driver is able to locate you. So they have to be paid for in advance. They can only be placed online, so it's not something you can call and um, do. But, you know, you can also do, like, choose a hotspot from nearby, which is a great feature. Um, I mean, I love this. I think this is a great option. This is such a good story. And helping, you know, that immediacy and that need that people have, Um, you know, I think this is a a great, great thing. I think about, like, oh, I'm at the park now. I've got to load the kids up into the car, you know, go to the pizza place, get them out, pick up the pizza, put them back in. You know, just like the seamlessness that they are bringing to, you know, families or, you know, people who are just on the go, I think is really, really smart, and I bet this will get used a lot. Um, So, you know, it's like, I think that, you know, when you you think about this Amazon kind of wave of like, how can we go from like, you know, online to offline to the real world, how can we deliver now, how can we deliver in an hour, how can we deliver tomorrow, Um, you know, and then a a restaurant's thinking like, Hey, we're just delivery. Like how most of them are probably not really thinking in this frame of mind. So I think it's really great that Domino's have, have thought about this and put themselves like, how can we, you know, take what's being practiced in more of a retail scene into our daily delivery business. And I think this is a really great application for it.
0: I I think this is brilliant. I I love it. I think it's such a uh, innovative way to think about location and where people are and and when people need pizza. The example that you gave about the park, you know, I've, I've been in that scenario, like with or with my family or whatever, uh, or you know, you've just been you know on vacation or you're somewhere and like you don't even know the address of where you are or whatever it is, right? Like. You know, I think that kind of thing makes a ton of sense and, and I can see them generating a lot of business off this. What would be interesting, I think, to take it, if I was gonna take this one step further, I would say these guys need to have a conversation, conversation with the guys at What3Words. Uh, so What3Words, if you're not familiar with that, is a new way to do addressing. Um, it's a global uh, platform, been around for a number of years now, out of the UK, uh, and they were originally designed to kind of uh, Give uh, location or you know a way to address locations that didn't have formal addresses, so things like you know how do you deliver medical uh, supplies to a village in the middle of Africa or you know whatever uh, that doesn't have an address um, you know or how do you tell the drone where to go to drop these things or all that kind of stuff and it's become a, a new standard uh, over the years, and a lot of car companies are now building that into their navigation systems and and other things. So it would be neat to say, you know, this park, you know, it's what three words address is, is whatever uh, it is. And, uh, and then, you know, have Domino's delivered to that. Um, so I think that could be really, really cool for companies like, like Domino's and others to think about. And, you know, if you're listening Domino's happy to broker uh, a conversation with them. Uh, for you um, that would be great and uh, we'd love to have you to come talk about the success of this at, at our retail local conference in the spring if, uh, if you're up for that too so that'd be cool um, all right moving on to uh, our final story for this week is a partnership between Marriott hotels and uh, PepsiCo uh, in particular uh, around their LifeWater uh, product um, and basically creating some virtual reality art and so this is really cool. This is a uh, augmented reality pop-up uh, art exhibition that's taking place at the Oculus, uh, which is the Westfield World Trade Center in New York. Uh, it happened back December 5th and 6th, uh, and it's re- or started uh, de- December 5th and 6th. And then it's rolling through a number of, of hotels uh, throughout the year, next year, um, uh, over, over the course of 2019. And so basically what it is is, um, Uh, A virtual art exhibition that you can you can see through uh, through an AR experience Uh, one of the hotels that they're starting with is the Marriott Stanton South Beach Hotel Uh, uh, and um, so that's that's that happened the week after on December 6th uh, through 9th and like I said it's moving through that they're rolling it through and synchronizing it with a number of art uh, festivals and things like that so that was during Miami Art Week um, and uh, and then obviously they're going to roll this out throughout next year uh, into a number of different places. But basically, the way it works is is you check into your hotel, you go in there. There's a you know life water bottle uh, sitting there, and then you can open the Facebook uh, your Facebook app uh, and use the camera uh, in app camera to basically then activate an experience. And then what you do is is you you're in your room and you can choose a piece of art and then drag it onto the virtual wall so you can have your own sort of art on the wall and kind of see what that looks like. Uh, And you can also color the artwork differently uh, and and add personalization to it and and do different things and play around with it uh, inside of the, uh, the app experience. So I think it's kind of cool. I mean, I'm always, I'm a big fan of digital and art experiences coming together. It reminded me when I when I saw this story about a project we did at the LBMA some years ago now here in Toronto around a big art festival called Luminato that happens every summer uh, and L'Oreal is the title sponsor of that and we built this basically virtual art gallery in the sky above downtown Toronto because um, this was primarily an outdoor festival and um, basically you could hold up your phone and see different art pieces uh, around you. Um, and they were all, it was all part of, uh, they were focused on the Lancôme uh, division in particular. Uh, and so what what we did was is we had uh, artists from across Canada, uh, professional artists, basically create their interpretation of the Lancôme rose. And we had 20 of these uh, interpretations done and then basically had them appear as virtual art pieces, like a virtual art gallery. Um, and then we actually did a went a step further, where we actually did an aerial view of the city of Toronto. The way we had plotted how the art pieces were laid out over the city, uh, as people were visualizing them with their phone, we were tracking the heat signatures of how those devices uh, were oriented. And in the end, the aggregate of all the heat signatures, when you look at it from sort of an aerial view, created a uh, a, um, a heat signature map that looked like a rose, like Lancome's rose as well. So kind of art you know visualizing art and creating art at the same time and so I think I I love these AR experiences I think it's a great way to to do that and to get people engaged with product and uh, and I think good on Marriott you know for for kind of thinking about this and 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 seeing a a neat way to do it.
1: Yeah I think Marriott's always you know looking for uh, unique experiences within their hotels they've done a number of things some which I thought were you know, not really great, but I definitely think this is good, especially around a festival like Art Basel, where everybody is there for the art, you know, they're there for that week, um, and it's a crazy time in Miami, so I think that it makes a lot of sense, and when you think about Life Water, like, their bottles are very artistic anyways, so they're kind of like that mosaic, you know, there's a bunch of different ones, they kind of have um, some that look more mosaic. Some that look kind of like graffiti or, you know, just different styles. And I think they're really, really cool. So I like the the, the combination of the, of the businesses and the, and the application here. So, yes, good for them.
0: Yeah, there you go. So that's our three uh, member news stories for this week. I just wanted to give one little shout-out before uh, we sign off here. And that's to a company called Setter. I don't know if everybody can see that there. Um, but I got this Christmas card in the mail. And Setter, if you're not familiar with them is a Toronto-based startup uh, right here at home for me uh, that basically, um, if you're a homeowner and you need things done on your house, whatever it is, like home improvement type things and so on, it's a service basically for for finding you know people, contractors and such who can do that work for you uh, that are local and, and you can set your own price and negotiate through the platform and do all kinds of things like that. Uh, it's really cool and um, uh, I signed up for it, I played with it. Uh, Uh, Some time ago, and because of that, they had my address, and hence I got a Christmas card in the mail. Physical mail, people from a digital, you know, startup uh, app based company, uh, which is really cool. But one step further inside the card was a kind of well, I mean, it's a copy of a handwritten letter. Uh, from the two co-founders, uh, and it's basically an update about their business. It, you know, it's a holiday, happy holidays, and so on. But it's like, you know, here's where we were at the start of 2018, and they've grown from 11 people to raising capital led by Sequoia in a Series A, and now they're 45 people, and like, it, it's really cool, like to 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 tell people about the progress that they've had. Um, you know, and signed by, uh, their two, uh, co-founders, David and Guillaume. So, uh, congratulations guys. Uh, great way to kind of create a, uh, an even more of a connection with, uh, with your customers. So check it out. Setter, just S E T T E R.com. Um, if you're in Toronto and they, by the way, they just opened a San Francisco office as well. So they're in the U S as well now. So there you go. Very cool. Take a look. That's our show. <laughs> You've been listening to episode 394 of this week in location-based marketing we'll be back next week with our uh, predictions for 2019 and uh, yeah and uh, if we if, if we don't get a chance to talk to you beforehand have a great holiday season and uh, and we'll see you in the new year so there you go Bye.
1: bye <laughs>